Hello there and welcome to the Ecological Podcast. It's Michael Delaney from Northern Bear. In this second episode, we're going to be picking up from our first event, but with our second guest. This man was one of the co-founders of Ecological and probably the reason why actually the event came to be in the first place. He is the director of Northern Bear, also known as Chief Bear, Mr. Chris Rushbrook. It was his journey to improve sustainability in his own personal life, his family home, and eventually in his business that kind of inspired us to bring like-minded people together in the first place. So you can hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I'd like to welcome right now, Mr. Chris Rushbrook, Chief Bear. So, why are you here? I don't know. Someone someone told me this was a good idea, and now I'm regretting it hugely. So, um, the event Ecological, I suppose, to a greater or lesser extent, is the brainchild of Chris Rushbrook. Um, he runs an agency up in Litchfield uh, called Northern Bear. Um, their goal is for the end of next year to be the most sustainable design and marketing agency in the UK, um, which is ambitious, yeah. to say the absolute least. Yep. So, how on earth have you arrived at that as a conclusion? Um, so, I mean, um, my, my background is marketing. I've worked in marketing all my life, degree in marketing. Um, worked at several agencies in Birmingham and decided that I wanted to go out and do it for myself. Um, have a go, learn, the way, learn how it works. And wanted to do something for myself initially. Um, and then over time, sustainability has come to the fore as, a, as an agenda to discuss um, personally at first. So we started off with a, an argument, which, as, as most good stories do. Um, with my wife about whether something was recyclable or not, um, you know, pointless, pointless arguments. That's the way. That's the way the world works. Um, but we had this conversation and we were talking about it, and we just got a, l- a little bit more into it and started looking at our packaging and uh, the, the, the the overall output of this conversation was we want to be better at what we do from when it comes to sustainability and in particular plastic, um, which was which was what we were discussing at the time. Um, and when we kind of got into looking at plastics and recyclability, and I think Matt kind of touched on it, you think you're doing the right thing. Everyone has this idea that by putting the plastic in the green, blue, black, whatever colour bin you've got wherever you live, um, that's the right thing to do. And actually, we thought, well, let's actually look at this and start um, and start checking and trying to be better. And by getting better, we recycled a hell of a lot less um, because the ambiguity on packaging, on plastic, my knowledge just wasn't there. And we kind of settled into, I settled into a little bit of research, to, you know, my, my brain works like that. How, what is this? How do I make it better um, for us? Not as a, you know, I'm not trying to solve the whole problem. So sorry, tell us, you say you stepped into the world of research. What were you doing? Um, just for, trying to find out about recycling symbols. Um, symbols was the first place I started because... Well, that's where your argument started, right? That's where the argument started, so I wanted to prove I was right. Um, Did you? No, um, <laughs> which is often the way. Um, but we, but we kind of we, we started looking into it, and, and the first thing we found out was the symbol that we recognised most as meaning something was recyclable didn't. So it's a little, it's called a green dot, and it's a little swish of two two arrows that roll around each other. And I just instantly thought that means it's recyclable. 
Um, and it doesn't, it just means that that, that company um, contributes to a re recycling scheme somewhere. So straight away, everything we put into recycling that has that symbol on is wrong. And that opened up a bit of a can of worms in terms of trying to understand recycling symbols, plastic types, um, packaging, and, and just trying to figure it all out. And it, it, we, we kind of, it kind of led me to look at it from a business point of view. And I thought, well, how can I look at this from a business point of view? And we kind of came up with this idea of creating the plastic manifesto. Yeah, so I was going to say, because I've got some stuff Segwayed here, in so. nicely for you there. Well, thank you very much. You're yeah, welcome. no, that's really helpful. I mean, um, for those that haven't read it, I would strongly recommend you. Um, that you do. It. Um, essentially, it was a survey put out to um, a few hundred people, sort of just normal Joes, um, just correspondents came back to say what their experiences were when it came to recycling plastic, what they thought certain symbols meant, and it wasn't really trying to trick or catch anybody out. The whole purpose was just to understand what people's level of understanding was, which, let's face it, when it comes to solving a problem, is the first thing you always want to do is, what's our baseline and where do we start? Um, and within it, there are some fantastic um, statistics. So for example, um, every year about 8 million tons of plastic waste ends up in the oceans directly, um, which is the equivalent, as you put here, five bin bags worth of rubbish going onto every single foot of coastline nice around the world. It's a nice image. Not the nicest image. Mm. Um, no, I've um, no, I've been to Blackpool, and uh, it's not it's not great. Um, <laughs> probably not probably not taking this to Blackpool. No, we're not taking this to Blackpool. No, it's it's fine. It's a black it's a black spot anyway. That's fine. Um, but eighty five percent of the respondents came back to say that they thought that green dot meant I can recycle this product. Yeah, which essentially means eighty five percent of everything that people throw away or recycle, shall I say is done incorrectly or, or not necessarily correctly so some some of those it does it does tend there is a bit of a tendency that the companies that don't have a lot of recyclable packaging do the offsetting but it doesn't it doesn't really work in the same way as carbon technically works that you could plant a tree to offset the amount of fuel you consume going on your, your holiday to Barbados or you know wherever you go um, if you create plastic it stays that's the whole point of everything that's been discussed and written about it recently is it doesn't disappear um, so so it, it just that that was an issue because there's everyone thinks that they're doing the right the, the companies are doing the right thing well they're recyclable but they're not um, and and the whole that then opens the door into the whole recycling symbology issue in terms of there's about 27 and that's not counting the the cute ones that innocent do or you know some of the different brands who have their own style um, there are 27 standard symbols which makes a mockery of using the word standard and there's no uniformity there's no cohesion there's no clarity around what you do so as a consumer i mean we, we went through, i went through 100 products that we had in our house um 60 of them had the recycling symbol on so 60 percent of them had the green dot on um and i think only 15 20% actually clearly told you whether they were or were not recyclable. Yeah. So that that's the base point. I can only recycle 15 to 20% of the stuff if all of those things are recyclable and they aren't. So half of those probably were not recyclable. So if we kind of zero down in because I think we kind of touched upon this as well chatting with Matt. There's an issue here for the consumer just not knowing the fact that I 
well, 85%, and I was probably sat with amongst those as well, mm-hmm. thought that that green dot meant that I could recycle something. Yep. In fact, I will admit to you now, I retook it just so I could get the right answer, <laughs> which That's would have thrown everything off, actually. Yeah. The whole it story. does throw the whole thing off, but yeah. there we are, just shameless. But nevertheless, that's 85% of people saying that. Is it just simply better education? Is it just saying to people, no, this is what these symbols mean? Because I think the last time I had a conversation about recycling would have been year one or two. We had this little robot come into school and it told us to reduce, reuse, recycle. Might be the only person who had that. I swear to God, it's real. <laughs> that's, what, that's where you get a private school. <laughs> Didn't have that in Rotherham, I could guarantee you. Um, yeah, so is it, is it on the consumer to just get better educated here? It's... it's, it's there isn't really a, this is what, I, what we have to do. It's a, it's a combination of factors. Consumers have to try and do better. They have to try and make small steps. They have to try and uh, improve their own sustainability. And they have to, re, they have to push up, up the stream, for want of a better analogy. And they need to make the councils, make the government, make the retailers, make the manufacturers address this issue. Um, and they need to um, vote with their wallets. They need to vote with their feet. Um, they need to switch where they can to alternative, uh, more sustainable options. And, and I think one of the one of the things we don't necessarily consider as part of this is it's, it's a convenience thing. Um, we as a species are or have become fairly lazy, and I'm definitely the head of that queue. Um, and we don't want to have to work hard. And if you have to work hard, you don't bother because it, it's too much of an effort. So the government. I don't want to just say it's the government's issue. Manufacturers and retailers should self-regulate. They need to start doing that. Hmm. Um, but the government need to push down some some legislations or some guidance on, on what people need to do. And that, that comes in the form of education for consumers, but it also comes in the form of um, creating some sort of standardised recycling symbols that everyone then has to place on their packaging to, to give consumers... A ch- At the moment, consumers don't know if they're making... A good or bad choice well as i think we heard from matt the answer is most of the time no they're not no and and, and if you cons- if you compare it to um, nutrition so nutritional information i don't know five ten years ago maybe there was a big conversation about obesity heart disease and the pressure that nutritional choices were making uh, were take putting on the nhs um and the whole the whole reason nutritional information came out was to try and help people to make better choices and I would argue that this is probably a bigger problem, maybe not on a, an individual basis or maybe a UK basis, but from a global point of view, this is a bigger problem. Yet there is nothing being done. There's no guidance, no standardisation, no regulation at all. People do whatever they fancy, essentially. I mean, you're saying here that obviously we want consumers to vote with their wallets and vote yes. with their feet. Yeah. Um, in your experience, is the more sustainable solution the cheaper option? No. Almost always it will be more expensive, um, but that is a, that's an economies of scale issue whereby there's a shed load of plastic made and not a great deal of, was it mushroom? Mushroom based or, you know, vegware is a great case study. Um, yes, it's, yes, it's still not perfect, but it doesn't create new plastic, which is one of the key issues around the whole thing. Um, it's about creating new plastic is the issue and that's what I think needs to be addressed. Is the first step then improving the recycling symbols or are we still at a stage where people aren't necessarily aware of the scale of the problem i think the, f- the first step if, if it was me if i was boris if i was sitting in my uh, number 10 not discussing the eu um 
it would be to stand, try and re almost re-centralise recycling. So at the moment, as Matt talked about, it's, it's council by council, which means, which means that you know, if you live on the border of Tamworth and Burton, you have completely different recycling, uh, recycling options, um, which shouldn't happen. They can't, we can't create an economy of scale by everyone being siloed and create, creating their own thing. There has to be a, a wider take and a, and a higher level take on things. So I would say even if it means in the short term, we can only be, we can recycle less. Standardising recycling then gives the manufacturers and retailers the ability to say yes or no, because at the moment it's check this, check it curbside, take it to the store, um, do this, do that. No one, no one can do that. No one has the time to do that or make those decisions. Um, so you need standardising at the top so that we can then create um, a clearer system, a clearer way of labelling, which will then mean the end user, who is ultimately responsible for this, can, can make a better decision, can they can recycle something and know it's going to a plant. And over time, we can then introduce, yes, yeah, so we might start with PET1, I don't know whether that should be recyclable or not, well then you might roll it across the different types of plastic and, and in it, in it, we can slowly create a better um, system. Um, the issue is we don't have the luxury of a great deal of time. So Matt said it's not going to be a quick solution, but it kind of has to be. Somewhere there needs to be someone, some company, government, organisation, who creates something that helps to solve this problem. Change starts with the individual, mm -hmm. like in yep. everything. Yep. Um, I would just want to kind of pivot this now to a little bit more about, this is the first event that yep. you've essentially put together for Ecological. Yeah. Now, this is one man's way of going about it. What are you hoping to achieve with this? I, I don't, and I, I think, so the, the whole, to come back to your initial uh, sort of question about um, becoming the most sustainable agency in the UK, we don't really have an idea of where we're going. We don't have an idea of what success actually is. We're just going through a process of trying to um, make better decisions as a business, encourage our, our uh, those people who we can influence, which is probably mainly clients and suppliers, um, to improve their processes and to work on that better. Um, and and this this is just a way, another way of raising the profile. I mean, I, I, as you said, we we didn't know if we'd be sitting here having a beer with the four of us, um, and you know, the camera guy thinking, yeah. why have I bothered schlepping all the way from <laughs> South Birmingham? Um, but actually there's 35, 40 people here um, and it's 35, 40 people who are having a conversation or listening to a conversation or getting involved in the conversation about um, recycling on this, in this particular instance. But sustainability is a much, much bigger thing. So from, from a, what we've looked at, I won't bore you with all the details, but we're kind of looking at our processes, looking at our suppliers and we're looking at the people who uh, work for us, which isn't a huge amount of people. There's only four of us. Um, but, you know, sustainability is, is not just recycling. It's not just um, eating a, a different way or, you know, reducing meat intake. It's, it's your whole life. Your whole life has to be sustainable. Um, the business has to be sustainable. It has to make money. Um, the people who work work with us have to be sustainable and, they, you know, their mental health has to be right. They have to be looked after. They have to be able to afford to pay their own bills. So there's a there's a there's a bigger issue around sustainability and I think sometimes we get a little bit pigeonholed in the specifics of um, the physical things 
um, not to not to take in a different way of you know mental health and, and what kind of things. But sustainability is a is a is an ethos. It's a way of thinking rather it's than to make sure that it can continue. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So you know, if, if it's not sustainable, it will end. That's the ultimate. That's what sustainability means, and that's as big as the world and as small as. A business as small as you and your wife having an argument in the kitchen exactly which we do occasionally yeah of course <laughs> i mean it could have been just four of us sat in a room mm -hmm. um and instead it's about 30 very brilliant very selfless people have slept out in as you put it not that count, it's four individually, yeah. Yeah. you could have slept out in probably some of the worst weather i've seen in yeah. a while um what do you want them to get from something like ecological so this is the first yep where does it go to next? What happens next for these people? So th this is this is about. Um, so Mark, I, I kind of think that everyone has to take a first step. That's the first first thing to do. So it could be as as little as stopping eating chewing gum because it can, contains plastic and switching to mints. It could be as small as that. Um, if everyone does that, it, it creates a bigger impact. Um, so this is the first event. We don't know what it's going to become. I'd like people to to get involved to put their thoughts forward. Um, I've spoken with Claire from BC already about um, potentially potentially working with them to, to help them understand what people in this room could do for a start. You know, there are people in this room, first mile, uh, Platinum Pulse. It's not I'm not sponsored by Platinum Pulse, just just to be clear. Um, but you know, Bob Bob started me on a journey to do, in, you know um, reduce my meat intake. Uh, I watched a watched a documentary recommended and pretty much stopped me eating meat overnight. Uh, more from a health point of view than necessarily sustainability, but it's a nice byproduct of a personal choice. So everyone, everyone needs to just approach it in their own way um, and make their own choices about how they can make a difference. And some of it will be little things, and some of it will be big things. Of so if everyone just takes away the thought to try and do something tomorrow that's just a little bit more sustainable, mm. walk, don't get an Uber. Um, Get a glass milk, glass milk delivered to your house. Um, you know, check the pack, pe check your packaging properly, and if properly, and if it doesn't say explicitly it's recyclable, put it in the bin. It's a bigger problem than yours, but you can only do what you do. And by contaminating plastic, uh, recycling, it's going to be worse than putting it in the bin because we can't then necessarily recycle a, a whole other load of plastic that is recyclable because it's been contaminated. I think it's fair to say, isn't it, then that. The act of the individual amounts to something quite significant when it's in that community. Is yeah. that something you want to create? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I like how you've led me into that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, definitely. What I'd like to you do is like, no. create a community. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it is. I think it is about community. I think it's about um, just getting a group of like-minded people together who can start to affect change. And that's you know you can't look at it from a global perspective because the problem's too big, um, and, and we can't solve that ourselves sitting here. Um, but you can, you can make the changes yourselves. And there's a community of connected people, which I suppose this is what it's all about. Is you know you, you may meet people who can help and address the problems that you have, both personally and professionally. And I think it's important that it's not just about businesses. This is about consumers as well, and, and people and individuals. So I think that's. As I know I definitely led you there. You and just for the uh, as for the context, I suppose of the room. I think the word of. Um, there was a conference I went to last year, um, and particularly I went to ones that are around social causes, climate action, um, addressing homelessness, and everyone was trying to come up with the best solution, but the word that was underlying in every single talk, every single Q&A session that I had, spoke about community, 
and he spoke about the power of community. And all that simply is, is a bunch of people with a shared idea, a shared goal, working together. Because the exchange of ideas, the exchange of resources, the exchange of time actually amounts to something quite significant. You as an individual do something significant by working with somebody else towards the same end every single day. I think we'll open it up then to questions from the floor then for the man with the plastic manifesto. Unfortunately, we weren't able to mic up the audience for the event. So uh, what I'm going to do is just repeat the questions that we had and then let Chris answer them as he did on the night. Um, so the first question we had came from a lady um, who was interested in uh, understanding what the biggest challenges Chris had faced when it came to improving the sustainability of his business and therefore what advice he would give other businesses if they wanted to, to follow suit and improve their sustainability. I think, I think from a business point of view, it's, it's you only control your little ecosphere, you only control your little bubble. Um, so we're, we're obviously um, trying to implement changes, but there, there's a cost implication to most of those changes. Um, there's a, a logistics issue to those changes. Um, there's a time, I don't know if that's the same as logistics, but there's a time issue as well, so making those things happen. So we, we um, I don't know if anyone, has anyone heard of B Corp? Share hands. So four or five people. Um, B Corp is essentially a certification that companies can undertake to almost say we are sustainable. And there are various different levels. You, you score a certain score in your B Corp. If you score a, a higher score, your B Corp premium. Can't remember that. But we're, we're looking into that, and it's and it's kind of something that's for bigger organisations. I would have said, but if we want to be known as the most sustainable agency in the UK, we have to aim high. It's a, it's a high aim and it's a high um, it's a high standard but the, the the reason I bring that up is actually just going through the assessment process of that which is free so anyone who's in a business it takes maybe half an hour um, highlights the journey we've got to go on to try and get there there's a whole load of administration there's a whole load of um, policies that need to be written there's a whole load of actual things we need to do and demonstrate and, and also not just do you have to be able to prove it um, so doing that made me a little bit more scared of the, the job we've got um, because as well as I've kind of sort of looked at it from a process point of view but actually for a business to be sustainable it has to be within every single part of the business and I suppose from a brand you know we're, we're, we work in branding it's the same thing sustainability has to be part of your core it's a part of your core reason for being um, so it has been job descriptions it has been mission statements explicitly um, so I think on that that was quite a good process to go through and underlined the, the amount of work that that's going to take over the gap the between now and 11 and a half months although I've realised that we said by 2021 so is that December 21 or no, January no it's, no it's by the end of the year yeah, I'll, I'll decide that um, any more questions please um, our second question to Chris uh, came from a gentleman um, who wants to know beyond uh, reviewing the suppliers and the processes within the business what else we were doing to try and encourage um, people working within the business or our clients to be more sustainable yeah so we I mean we've so our suppliers we're reviewing um, we've we found um, a superb supplier called Ashley House Print um, who we based down in Devon and their whole their whole ethos is around um, everything is as low effect on the environment as possible so they don't use any paper other than recycled paper and um, they use vegetable based inks they have zero waste policy um, that they try and hold up and they try and have processes through that um, I don't know if you see but there's a, a, a lady who's based in Litchfield as well who um, square peg so they she, her niche is um, 
sustainable merchandise. So but one of the other things, we, we've got pens, which, which I ordered two years ago maybe. They're not sustainable, they're not, not eco-friendly, um, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we've, got, we've still got legacy things in our office that, is, that aren't sustainable. Um, so when we order, it's about using what you've got. There's no point just chucking it away because it's not um, on, on brand. Um, so it's about making the choices as you go through. So when, when we come around to needing more pens or books, you know, books can be made from stone. They can be made from all sorts of you know, plant-based things. There's all sorts of really interesting things that you can do. So if we're, we're reviewing that and what we're trying to then do is pass that on to, the, to our clients as well. So we, we're now in the process of probably losing a lot of print work because we aren't using printers who don't adhere to these standards that we're trying to set for ourselves. Um, so our print will be more expensive, which will mean an impact on the business from a profitability point of view. So when we print our own things, it'll be more expensive, but also we'll probably lose business from um, existing print. You know, we do a lot, we obviously create a lot of collateral that then needs producing. Um, but if we aren't competitive and it's not within that business's ethos to be sustainable, then we, we lose that business. So we, we, there's an impact um, beyond that, which, we, which we're going to just have to suck up and hope it works out right for us, I suppose. Our third question in the evening was actually quite a challenging one. And it came from a lady who pointed out the trends that we're seeing at the moment where uh, plastic is getting a bad reputation and people are moving towards cardboard and paper substitute products um, and then in turn um, things like bamboo products are replacing the traditional paper-based or cardboard-based products um, but her point was that all of these still have an ecological impact they still require some land to grow or some fuel to grow or some uh, form of water to, to actually produce um, and her question to Chris was is there any organization that's taking a much higher level um, perspective on this to actually consider what the most effective efficient and sustainable materials are for each product I don't, I don't think I've, I'm not I've, I've, Matt's more of an expert than me. I, I was a bit worried about coming on after him because he has a much better knowledge. I think the obvious answer is no, because they can't be because Donald Trump isn't on board. So America isn't on board. So the, the reason that that would be that you know the G8, G7, whatever they want to call themselves nowadays, that would be the starting point for that kind of. That would be the organisation that addresses this globally, but they aren't. Um, I mean, on the point of um, paper usage, there's a lot of paper out there. The bamboo does go quickly. I think you know it, it is a better material. I think what like Matt said, it's using vegware is better than plastic. No, no doubt about that. Um, but uh, everyone, so you know, I listened to quite an interesting podcast called Sustainable, and they 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 were talking about everyone's offsetting their carbon by planting trees. And it's like, well, if we if we're offsetting the the you know airplane fuel, if we're offsetting. Um, <coughs> meat production if we're offsetting our own hive you know, if we're offsetting everything by building how many trees are we actually planting how well, is there the space because as far as i'm aware we're losing forests not gaining it but everyone seems to be offsetting by planting trees um so it's quite an it's quite an interesting point nobody is and that's the problem you know, that's that's the main issue we've got is that no no organization that has the power to do this is doing it um, because they're led by um interesting people with strange ideas and ideologies um we'll, we probably shouldn't go into that just now but i think i think i think we have to address the immediate problem first as consumers um cut out plastic because that's the current problem 
there will always be another problem. You know, you switch to not eating meat, you then got to make the right choices with that because actually some of the stuff that's made to replace meat isn't that good. If you switch from plastic to paper, you, you're still consuming. As you say, we will always consume. Um, so I think we have to change our consumption habits first and then try to um, improve it. I think if you, if you think about um, petrol cars and where, when they were first introduced, the output of their gases and, and pollution versus where we are now, you know, we, we, we're constantly starting journeys of finding new solutions and then improving them. So electric cars is probably the, the best example. Electric cars are superb. They actually cost more from a CO2 point of view to make, but their life cycle, they are much better than petrol cars. But that's now, so, and they're only 10, 15 years old maybe, or in, in, certain, you know, certainly in mainstream. What will that be in 50, 100 years when we've actually refined that? Will they exist? Will we be you know, running off maize cars? Or what, what will it be? It'll be interesting to see where, where we are in 100 years, but it's, I think it's important to look where we are and where we can go. Our last question in the evening came from a gentleman who raised the point that making a sustainable choice um, sometimes is a, a financial consideration as well. People will sometimes choose a cheaper option because that's what they can afford and sustainable options may be more expensive. So his question to Chris was, is this a trend that we expect to see uh, continue? Should brands be trying to address this and make it more financially accessible to choose sustainably? And to that end, what is Chris doing with his business to encourage people to buy a more sustainable option? I, th I think I think there's, there's with any I think with any purchasing decision, it's convenience, cost, and function. You know, what do you need to do? What can you afford? I can't remember the other one. Convenience. Can I get it? Yeah. You know, can I get hold of it? Um, and every, everyone just, I think everyone needs to just do what they can. Um, buying more sustainably generally, not always, is more expensive. But you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a purchase decision. It can be better recycling at home. It can be making the right choices with regards to transport. Um, I think that the, the, the main thing is that people do something. You know, no one's asking you to get into debt just, just to be sustainable. It's not worth it because your time on earth you know, will be ruined. Um, you know, whatever time left we've got on earth, you don't want it to be ruined by being, you know, yeah, I bought, I bought a really nice sustainable thing, but I couldn't afford it. Um, so people have to live. Um, and I think you know, convenience versus quality is, uh, versus price versus quality um, is one of the key things. I mean, we, we've got two kids, and I can guarantee you now we are one of the least sustainable couples in the country because kids make shit man <laughs> literally and figuratively they do they you know wipes nappies uh, toys every, you know what they consume what they want they they you know they don't care they don't know they don't care so and, and the options aren't there we buy compostable um biodegradable should i say wipes uh, we, we do what we can but um kids create a lot of mess and, and, and it's very the convenience versus cost now, we can't afford to be, do what we would like to do necessarily, um, but we do what we can, where we can, um, and, and hopefully our kids will appreciate that when they've still got a world in 20 odd years. Nice. I just want to end um, tonight's discussion then um, to say, um, before I say thank you to you, Marissa, you don't need to say thank no, you. Nice. Um, this has been a very interesting experiment, and I think 
sustainability and sustainable solutions are always going to be about trying something, seeing how it goes and seeing whether we can actually make something happen. I'm really interested to see what actually might come of this. I just want to say thank you to Chris, first and foremost. Really appreciate you coming along. And also thank you to absolutely everybody here. Um, just to end, now, if you do go get a chance to go and read the Plastic Manifesto, Chris just ends it on this line. I think it is pertinent. Um, it's a quote from obviously Saint David Attenborough, which is, never before have we been so aware of what we're doing to our planet, uh, and never before have we had such power to do something about it. Today in this room, you've got people that also believe in the same thing that you do, and there are countless other people who also believe in the same things. If you are doing something good and it is driving towards sustainability, keep it up. And any ideas, any feedback, anything that we can be doing better as well, please let us know because we want to keep this going. We want to try and do some good to the planet. So thank you so much and thank you, Chris, and have a wonderful evening, guys. Thank you. <laughs>